Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The idea of a current package where we are debating means testing, modest investments, um, minimized climate action as socialist is an insult to both socialists specifically and the general public's intelligence generally. But um, she is very special, isn't she? You got to admit, Representative Ocasio-Cortez worried about insulting the socialist. And, and what's her line? The, the line is great. The social spending bill only has modest investments at $1.5 trillion. Remember, this was the infrastructure bill, all part of Build Back Better, except they couldn't get the infrastructure bill through. Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema said no. Manchin was opposed to $3.5 trillion in spending. That is not to say he's opposed to spending at all. If you check out my latest video on my Facebook page, Tony Katz Radio, you will see me discussing just this. He's fine with $1.5 trillion worth of spending, might be fine with $1.9 trillion worth of spending, for all I know. And because the House Progressive Caucus is so utterly vindictive, they wouldn't move forward on the $1.2 trillion package that was bipartisan. So now here we are, changing the name, pushing it out there again, and hoping to get a new result. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is good to be with you. 833-468-8669. Got Tony is the number. Tim Phillips joins us right now. He's the president of Americans for Prosperity. They talk economic liberty all of the time, full disclosure, I do content work, video work, and speaking uh, engagements with Americans for Prosperity. I never lie about these things. You always know where I stand. Uh, but, Tim, we have been talking about what's going on with this spending package, and we've been on it from the beginning, and you guys have been on it from the beginning with hashtag end Washington waste. But now they've changed the name, and it's so funny is they call it the social spending bill, which is at least more honest. But this name change came, and it's like nobody even noticed. Like, oh, that's what we call it now. But it's still the same things that they wanted in the infrastructure bill. It's just a little more honest about the fact that it's not really infrastructure. It's kind of like when they went from global warming to climate change. Remember that? Right. I mean, and and uh, oh, and the, and the, some people, it's not inflation, Tony. It's just transitory inflation. It, they just these elites kind of change the name, and then they wonder why the American people trust them. Less and less. Uh, I'll tell you the most insidious part of this package right now. They are planning to jam as much long-term entitlement programming into this money as possible. So they'll say, oh, we're down to $1.5 trillion. Wow, we're being so reasonable, guys. I mean, we were at $3.5. We're only at $1.5. What they're going to do, Tony, with a bunch of programs, and who knows whether it'll be the pre-K stuff or whether it'll be the – the climate core or whatever, they'll put entitlements in and they'll fund them just for one or two years in this package to keep the dollar level down. But the program, see, the bureaucracy is there. The entitlement is there. Then they'll dare Republicans to take it away or let the funding run out if they take back the Congress. That's the bet they're going to make. Watch, Tony. That's where they're going with this. They're going to put as much long-term entitlement as they can in there and dare Republicans 
to not renew it. But give me a out. give me a definition, Tim. Talk to me when you say long term entitlements. What is it that you mean, and how does that then apply pressure on the Republicans playing politics with all these dollars? Well, pre K, you know, pre K kindergarten, you know, driving and putting it to two year olds and getting them in government schools from that moment, or community college, free community college for the first two years at least. But they give you that entitlement. They fund it for one year or two years. And then the funding runs out. And so they, they get the program. They keep the dollar level down at a level where Senator Sinema and Senator, Sinema, uh, Senator Manchin are saying, okay, we did a great job getting the dollars down. Then if Republicans take over next year, that funding for those programs, free community college for the first two years or free pre-K, preschool or daycare, basically going down to one or two-year-olds, probably two-year-olds, we dare you to let that run out and lose that entitlement. And, the, and what they're thinking about is Obamacare, Tony. They, they did Obamacare. Republicans said we're going to repeal Obamacare if we ever get the majorities. They finally got the majorities. They had the House Senate in 17 with President Trump. They couldn't get their act together. They didn't repeal Obamacare. I think Democrats look at that and go, ah, if we can just get this entitlement in there, even if it's for a couple of years, Republicans won't have the courage to actually let the funding run out. That's what I'm saying they're going to do. Talking to Tim Phillips, the president of Americans for Prosperity. Uh, politically, you're not wrong. Republicans do uh, lack uh, very often uh, courage, and people, once they get something, they don't let it go, which is why this spending is such a problem, because it goes on for forever and ever. Speaker Pelosi is telling House Democrats that this social spending bill is 90% complete, as you have gone over at least what they've been talking about, if you haven't been able to see some specific writing. Are there things in there that we will not expect, or is it the standard fair things that we've been discussing? They want to engage more Green New Deal. They want to have this uh, almost activist conservation core. They want to expand health care. They want to build out more government uh, and, and housing and public assistance on housing. Is there something new in this social spending bill that we should be prepared for? It'll be several thousand pages long, and there will absolutely be stuff that no one's talking about right now. I think the things that they're most determined to keep in there that they have been talking about and that are starting to take on fire from the public, which is rightly outraged, they are determined, Tony, to keep this lowering with the IRS getting to look into your bank accounts if it drops. Right now the limit's 10000 If you spend ten grand, suddenly your bank has to notify the IRS. I tell you, the hard left, they want that thing down to $600 or $1,000. They are hungry for that. That gives them so much more. They, they know what individual Americans are doing. It lets them go after them more aggressively for taxes. That is one they're drawing a line in the sand on right now, despite the public pushing back in a big way there. Also, this climate court, which you and I both referenced, they want to get that program started because it offers up an endless opportunity for activist government activists you know, on the government payroll activism in the name of climate change uh, and their Green New Deal agenda. They determine whether it's 10,000, you know, brand new climate core, you know, government employees or 20,000, what they want, they want the precedent established. So for right now, it's more about what are they picking to draw a line in the sand on uh, as the public, you know, pushes back more and more against these programs. That's what we're seeing more rather than brand new stuff they're trying to hide. They put their cards out there early when they were way more confident back in February, March, detailing all some of the things we just talked about. 
It's now more about which ones are we going to insist on having in there, even if we have to drop the numbers down just to get, you know, the, the, the metaphorical camel's nose under the tent to, to push their way in to make them permanent. And this IRS one is interesting. Now, Politico is reporting. This just just came out almost as we're talking. Joe Manchin is criticizing this and uh, believes that it will be gone from the spending bill. But this is Joe Manchin, I think, trying to see how much pressure he can apply for his vote. It is very obvious that the Democratic Party ha- wants this in. When Speaker Pelosi was asked whether or not this reporting bill would be in there, she responded, I believe it was yes, 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 that it will yeah. absolutely be in there. As you have been breaking this down, Tim, this IRS reporting bill that they do want to bring back down to 600, they'll take it to 10,000, they'll take it to any number in between. What is the insidious nature of it? Meaning, there we know that the IRS takes a look at things and looks at things at, at people's uh, bank accounts and numbers at, at 10,000 or more. What's the issue here with this reporting requirement? It infringes on the privacy of individual Americans. Tony, think about this. $600, how many transactions you have where you, where you have to you know, maybe you're buying a used car, right? Maybe you want to buy a $1,100 used car. I, I, you know, or, or maybe you're, you're trying to help out your daughter who's heading into college and you want to you know, put some cash into an account for her. Maybe it's $700 right here so that she, you know, if something's going on at school, she can draw on that money. All that goes to the IRS. It's a horrific invasion of your privacy as an individual American to have the government surveillance that over your shoulder for all of those and more kinds of transactions. Also, it puts the, the, the in the end, the, the dirty secret for the left is they can go after billionaires all they want or millionaires all they want. But if they're going to get the throw weight, the raw numbers they need from new tax increases, they got to be able to go after average Americans. Because that's where there's 330 million of them. There's only so many billionaires, as many billionaires as there are. And this is where it all gets crazy because they're making the claim, Tim, that this is about making sure billionaires pay their fair share. And your point is this has nothing to do with billionaires. Nothing, nothing. But billionaires have a legion of of accountants and attorneys handling this. How many accountants and attorneys does the average American have? Maybe one, a lot of them none at all. I mean, the idea behind the tax reform of 2017, which was a darn good tax reform, and you were for it, and, you know, to Republicans' credit, they got that through during the Trump years. You could – more and more Americans could do their federal taxes on a postcard. That's the ideal when it's easier for Americans. But I'm telling you, they want to have a detailed look, the the, the left does, of every American's financials. And, And that's frightening for privacy. It's frightening for individual freedom. But it also is a way uh, to push down further on lower income and middle income Americans to squeeze every nickel of tax money out of them that's possible. That's what this is about. You're talking about 80,000, 80,000 potentially new IRS agents, Tony, in this legislation. What are those agents going to do? You're going to put them all on the billionaires? Of course not. Again, there's only so many billionaires. They're going to put them on average Americans. That's where they know You've got enough, the numbers are big enough, millions and millions and millions of Americans to really start squeezing them for more tax revenue. That's what this is about. And, and it speaks to the authoritarian nature 
of the far left these days. It is just a, an aggressive, top-down, authoritarian nature that's very different from that Berkeley era, late 60s, early 70s left. It's very different and far more oh, dangerous. The, the left is now the man. The left yes. is the person that they were uh, supposedly railing against, talking to Tim Phillips, uh, the president of Americans for Prosperity. You served as, as a chief of staff. You've, you've worked uh, the Hill for a great number of years. Let's talk a little bit about Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia. Of course, you had uh, Mike Lee, the senator from Utah, Republican, saying, hey, Joe Manchin, come on over, become a Republican. You know you want to do it. You've had Senator Manchin himself saying, look, if the Democratic Party is embarrassed by me, if I'm not the kind of Democrat they want, I'll, I'll just call myself an American independent and I'll caucus with, with, with the Democrats. It doesn't necessarily change anything in, in, in the Senate. I make the argument, I made it in my latest video on Facebook, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio, that Manchin is opposed to the spending. And he's really opposed to the spending because of, of inflationary issues, which are out of control and not going away anytime soon. But he is not opposed to the idea of spending in general. If his, if his cap is $1.5 trillion, that doesn't make him a Republican by any stretch of the imagination. And even Republicans spend too much money. So where is... Manchin's real disagreement, and what is it that you see on the Hill going on with him and Senator Cinema that should give people hope, or are there fault lines that people should look for that soon they will crack? I've been in West Virginia multiple times this year with our activists on the ground. We have a deep AFP activist base across West Virginia. I've talked to key elected officials across that state who know Senator Manchin well, and there's three key insights, and I'll be fast with them. Three key insights on Senator Manchin. Number one, he's more of a New Deal Democrat rather than a new kind of the authoritarian hard left Democrat, which means he's okay with social welfare programs, entitlement programs in a broad sense. So on some of the the, those kind of programs that are in this bill, he's not really opposed to those. Uh, Second key insight, he does like being in public office. He's been in public office since the 1980s when he was elected to the West Virginia State Legislature, State House, then to the State Senate, then the Secretary of State, then the Governor, and then finally the Senate. Uh, he wants to make sure whatever he does can sell in West Virginia and stay in office. That's an important pressure point to understand. So we got to keep educating. Third, I think the area where he's most hostile to what they're wanting to do in this bill is on the environmental side. You know, the, the hard le- uh, environmental left destroyed much of West Virginia's economy when they wiped out coal. You and I have talked about that before. They also hurt Indiana, by the way, a lot of the the coal there. Uh, And he is sensitive to that. He knows how that destroyed and harmed people's lives in West Virginia. Plus, it made the country less, you know, energy safe and secure as well in some respects. So he is more aggressive on that front than perhaps on the front of opposing socialized medicine or opposing some of the expansion of entitlement programs. That was a bit long, but it is an interesting insight, at least from our perspective at AFP, into Senator Manchin. Senator Sinema, you said something a minute ago, Tony, which I think nails exactly where she is. She, Even though she's 45 years old, one of the younger senators up there, she is a throwback liberal to the Berkeley era. She doesn't want the man telling her to shut up, get in line, and do whatever we say. Right now, the man is exactly what you said a minute ago, Tony. It's the hard left saying, hey, Senator, we know you got elected in your state of Arizona. It doesn't matter. Be quiet. Get in line and do exactly what we're telling you to do on this Green New Deal, on socialized medicine, on so much more. And I think she's rebelling against that, against that idea, and good 
for her. Tim Phillips, President, Americans for Prosperity, AmericansForProsperity.org. I appreciate you taking uh, the time, and I know you're in my beloved Indianapolis. Enjoy it. Enjoy every last bit of it. I'll give you some good uh, restaurant recommendations. You'll be all right. Tim Phillips, thank you. More to come. I'm Tony Katz. Ron DeSantis can't stop making news. He's offering up five grand as bonuses to out-of-state police officers who want to relocate to Florida. Smart. Smart move. Smart thinking. People make these decisions. We're going to force people to get vaccinated. If not, we're going to fire them. Okay, now tell me how much better you are with less nurses. Uh, tell me that that somehow you're, you're you're better off in this way. Tell me how you're better off with less cops. I'm going to get into a whole conversation about more regarding San Francisco coming up. And while you're making these decisions, understand that other people are utilizing your decisions to make other decisions that are better for their state. DeSantis is seen as proactive here. He's seen as doing some good here. And because of that, he's going to be able to attract people to Florida and grow Florida. This is exactly what he should be doing. And and I think that, that people think if they engage in, in, in this kind of stuff. Oh, it's it's cheap or oh, it's too much in the social issues. It's, it's not. Whether or not you have a safe city is not social issues. It's you know rational. It's just rational. People want those things. They talk about how uh, oh, defund the police, but they don't mean where they are. They mean where those other people are. Not where they live. Remember, they they all favor public housing, just not in their neighborhood. Very, very special, these people. The Alec Baldwin conundrum. He is a horrible, despicable person who is nasty to everyone. But he killed a woman, even if it was accidental, and are you supposed to go after him for it? Well, the left set up rules. How do we not live by them? Kurt Schlichter. Breaks it down with me. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. This Alec Baldwin shooting situation has gone in a lot of different directions, and they're all worthy of a conversation. If you ask me, I don't think Alec Baldwin intended to kill anyone. I think Alec Baldwin should at the very least be charged with negligent homicide. I'm not a lawyer. But he did pull the trigger. It didn't accidentally go off, did it? Is that going to be the new claim? Yet what I see from media is a lot of conversations about how Alec Baldwin is faring. He's met with the family. 
of Helena Hutchins. He's he's feels terrible. He's always been safe with a firearm on set. Is is that our conversation? What about the idea of all the mistakes that were made that led to a gun getting in his hands that could be fired? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. And then what of the political right? Not all, but a few high profile names utilizing this to go after Alec Baldwin, because after all, he is, regardless of this situation, a despicable person. A leftist who is nasty and aggressive and physically violent towards other human beings. It's a wonder who would ever want to work with him on a movie set anyway. There are all of these pieces. Kurt Schlichter is a columnist over at townhall.com. He is also the author of the Kelly Turnbull series of books you can find at amazon.com. Split is the latest book. You can get that at amazon.com. And I do the audio books of those books and many of Kurt's books. He is also a, a lawyer by trade. And you write over at Town Hall the very idea of the Alec Baldwin conundrum. And this is well being uh, expressed by uh, it's uh, Donald Trump Jr. who's got these T-shirts. And these T-shirts basically making fun of, of Alec Baldwin, uh, saying uh, that guns don't kill people, Alec Baldwin kills people. Yet your argument is these are the rules that the left set up when bad things happen. Well, hi, Tony. Yeah, those are the rules. I, I, you know, I didn't pick the rules. I didn't make them. In fact, I, I don't really like them. But th- th- there's been uh, this undercurrent in conservatism that we somehow have to pretend we're not on the battlefield that we are, that sometimes we have to be better than that, that sometimes we have to observe certain rules and norms that frankly don't exist. And if you look at George W. Bush, you remember him. He's too much of a gentleman to push back. We defended him, but he was too much of a gentleman. And the only time he ever got hostile um, was when we rejected his uh, loser brother, and then he got hostile with us, the people who defended him, at which point the people who've been tormenting him for decades suddenly celebrated him so my concern is what are the rules tell me what the rules are and uh, we'll play by those rules but you don't get two sets of rules now it, it's it's kind of difficult to uh to to separate the two because you know in it, for for me and then i i think this is very very true uh, of me is i i i I don't like something when I don't like it, and it's not that I like it when my side does it. And I think Donald Trump Jr. is out of his damn head uh, with this. I, I think I think it's 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 ridiculous and it's ugly uh, and it's it's a uh, denigration of somebody's life. The argument that makes sense though is the left does this all the time, and somehow they get a pass. If everybody would agree that this is just ugly, these things wouldn't happen so there's this this massive cultural conversation uh that's taking place here but what i'm noticing is that media is very much wants to talk about alec baldwin's mental state but not talk about the legal jeopardy and dear lord man you're a lawyer we 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 all know lots of actors uh you still live in the los angeles area i lived in los angeles for six years we traveled in these circles this isn't normal what happened on this set no, no, this is this is not normal. Let me, uh, but there, there's a lot to unpack there. 
Uh, first, let, let, let me let me address the, uh, the the issue of the ugliness of this. I have a limited capacity for caring in my life. I can devote only there is only a certain amount of caring energy that I can spend. I choose to spend exactly zero on uh, insults, mockery, or uh, hassles for people who hate me. So if, in fact, the, the whole Donald Trump Jr. thing is in some objective sense uh, uh, cruel and mean, I am not going to devote any of my limited caring bandwidth to it because Alec Baldwin is a bad person who hates us and wants to wish us harm. Uh, as for the, the, the idea that somehow we, we, we should hold back on these things. And, I, and, and make it clear, I, I, I do not have an opinion. If you, if you want to, uh, if you don't want to hassle Alec Baldwin, that's fine. If you do, that is also fine with me. Um, my question is, at what time has us been uh, taking the high road, made the left go, gosh, I think we should stop because, because the conservatives have taught me an important lesson and modeled good behavior, and I'm going to modify my behavior. In fact, the only thing we have left is uh, uh, massive retaliation as opposed to unilateral disarmament. So if Donald Trump Jr. wants to have very, very needy T-shirts, um, well, per- perhaps that might, uh, 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 might create a situation where people go, well, gosh, I don't want to have this situation. I would like... Uh, I would like different rules. Let's bring back the old ones. As far as legal jeopardy, uh, criminal jeopardy is very tough. He hasn't been arrested yet. Indicates to me that they're not thinking of doing that. Because I think they could have probably brought charges pretty quickly if they were so inclined. Uh, Civil liability, entirely different question. Um, The movie company, I think, has a substantial chance of being... Uh, essentially safe because of workers' comp exclusivity. Workers' compensation is designed so you can't sue a company. You get a set amount of money for an injury. Uh, there's a schedule. A death is worth something like 200000 in California. Um, however, the individuals uh, and associated companies, those have problems. Alec Baldwin has a real problem. This This verdict could be... My, my guess is twenty to forty million dollars, based on the kind of of uh, uh, I see as a lawyer defending uh, lawsuits in Los Angeles. I would definitely try and bring this in Los Angeles if I could. If now, I could now let's figure out a way for her to sue here. Let's break this down into a couple of, uh, of pieces. First, I want to talk about this caring thing. I'm with you. I am not interested in caring about everybody's life because I think that caring is the problem. I I think the problem with the political left is they they want to care too much about me. I would rather they cared less about me. They don't actually care about me, but they want to feign caring about me, and that's what leads to their agendas, ideas, and to get those agendas and ideas across. That leads to unique levels of control of of speech and, and other things, and we see it 
in all the things that we do. And there's no doubt that Alec Baldwin is a guy who believes that those who disagree with him should not be able to have a voice. And you take somebody who has been as violent as he has in his life, not once, but repeatedly, and the other issues of things that he has done, and he still gets to be on movies and produce movies. That's what's so uh, amazing about uh, the levels of, of, of oddness, duplicitousness, strangeness in, in Hollywood. I want to make sure I'm clear about that. None of that takes away from the fact that I think the T-shirt from Donald Trump Jr. is nuts. That's my take on the T-shirt. But on this idea of where the culpability is for uh, Alec Baldwin, two questions. First, what is the charge that you think comes against Alec Baldwin? And secondly, we've got the armorer. We've got the first assistant director, Adam Baldwin, uh, the actor, uh, The Last Ship, and and Chuck has been very, very vocal on what has gone on here and the attack on armors, the attack on the industry now and and gun ownership because of this, when it should really be about those people who know nothing about firearms and cheat the the system should be a much bigger uh, conversation. What are the charges up and down the line here? Uh, as far as criminal charges, you're probably looking at some form of manslaughter. Neg- they might term it negligent homicide. Uh, look, they're, they're, this this was almost certainly not intentional. The question is, was it of such gross negligence uh, that it was, uh, uh, you know, the, the reckless disregard of safety? And I mean, I'm, I'm throwing out some kind of law review term. I'm sorry, bar exam kind of terms. Uh, the bottom line is, if you fail to use reasonable care, you can be criminally charged for the death of another person. It's very rare, and it usually requires, uh, you know, gross negligence. You know, you have to be, you have to, it has to be a very grave thing. Otherwise, everybody in an auto accident, you know, could, could potentially be charged. You know, most auto accidents are a result of somebody being negligent, not using reasonable care. So it's got to be above and beyond. What we've seen here uh, is striking. I, I don't think criminal charges would be crazy. Uh, I think they strike me as unlikely for a number of reasons. Uh, one, that no one's been charged yet. Two, uh, the, the simple fact that the, you know our, our justice system is kind of a tool, dual-track justice system. Guys like Alec Baldwin don't tend to be treated uh, like normal people. And that's just a sad fact. It is. Uh, civil liability, though, that's, uh, that's going to be a problem. I'm not sure what the insurance coverage there was. You know, if Alec Baldwin has a 5 or $6 million uh, liability policy, well, that's gone. Uh, I think he's going to be digging into his piggy bank. Uh, they could definitely do the other folks personally as well. In the end, going back to your, your, your piece, going back to your article at townhall.com with the headline, The Alec Baldwin Conundrum, do you come to an answer? Do you, I mean, yeah. I can appreciate not, not having the caring for Alec Baldwin. I really do. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. However, there is a conversation to be had about just because we want the left to play by the rules that they set up, right? That's Alinsky 101. Does that mean that other people won't, it won't have a negative effect on other people whom we may want to bring to a side of thinking or at least understanding? Do you come to uh, look, a that, conclusion? That's a there? legitimate concern. I, I don't have the answer. 
you know, I have uh, I, I've said some snippy things about Alec Baldwin, and uh, I've, I've also uh, prayed for Alec Baldwin. And I, I, I hold the, you know, it's a conundrum. You know, I have, I have two views all at once. And I, I certainly don't uh, tell anybody that they should uh, take a particular view. My, my view is, I'm, look, I'm going to invest my limited caring bandwidth as I see fit. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, being outraged about, Alec Bulb, about people mocking Alec Baldwin is not on my list. Um. But no, I, I, I don't have an answer. I would, you know, Tony, I would like a world where everyone would go, oh, my gosh, this is a terrible thing. It's terrible for everybody. Let's see what the investigation says. Uh, and, then, and then they move on. That's, that's not the world, and in large part, thanks to guys like Alec Baldwin. Um, and it's not going to become the world if he gets a pass. If everybody treats him like he hasn't... Cre- you know, it, it, he gets the benefit of the world he destroyed. When when are we going to when are we going to change back? Kurt Schlichter, the series Kelly Turnbull series of books. You should get at Amazon dot com. The Split is the latest book. You can also uh, get uh, the books uh, in the audio version done by yours truly. Kurt Schlichter on Twitter S C H L I C H T E R. Kurt, always a pleasure. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Democrats are in a catch-22. If they drop reconciliation and focus on what Americans care about, inflation and the border, the progressive base stays home in 2022. If they keep reconciliation and don't pivot to what Americans care about, Americans throw them out in 2022. Fellow radio host Eric Erickson tweeted that out. I I disagree. I was was just about to type it, but I'll just do it here. I, I will type it. The ideologue Democrat, the progressive, doesn't care about the voter out there. They care about the ideology. So if you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, you do. So it's not a catch-22. It is the price you pay for power and ideology. You do the thing. And then you keep scaring people about uh, Trump and you keep talking about how everybody's racist and you try and get the power again and then you do more. This is making an argument that the party is thinking. I don't see that, and I don't think others see that either. And I think this is the whole Joe Manchin story in 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 a greater part. Sure, he's willing to spend, but three point five trillion? Are you nuts? Now there's other stories coming about Joe Manchin. It's very interesting. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. But ideology first, ideology always. If you're not engaged in the ideology and reaching for the brass ring of the ideology, what are you doing? You're wasting time. You have the House, the Senate, and the presidency. If you don't move the ideological desire, what did you do? They're going to go for the ideology. Then I, I, I had Mark ask me a question. Did you buy an old American watch? If so, what brand did you get? I did. I did, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, uh, Tony Katz, uh, there you would have have seen the photo. Uh, I I have a a, a sponsor of my morning radio show called Premier Arms, uh, which it's a a gun store, it's a firearm store, uh, but they also have a jewelry store and they they do estate buying, very, very cool people, premierarms.com, I'm not afraid, they're wonderful, wonderful people, and they've got this really 
cool jewelry store inside the, the firearm store, and they had a 1959 Hamilton Thinomatic in 14 karat gold. And Hamilton is like one of the original names of watches in America. Spectacular automatic movement, and it's 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 not the big bezel, you know. It's taking up the whole wrist. It's very classic. I usually don't do gold, but it was the it was the bracelet. It was, it just had this this classic. It's, it's something I desire. I've always liked Hamilton. This classic feel all over it, you know. And, and a watch is about personality. It's about it's about sharing a bit of of yourself. The art of of watches. It's why I don't wear like an Apple Watch. I, I don't. There's no art in that. I, it's it's not for function. I can get time off my phone. That's not what a watch is for. A watch is for art. It's for expression. It's for declaration of 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 self and presentation. And and I think there's something very very fun and empowering and cool about that. Never mind the artwork that goes into watches and the whole concept of orology. It's so special. So I was thrilled to get it. I took it over a Rolex. I looked at a Rolex. I was like, no, no, no. Give me that. Oh, fantastic. I love it. Love it like you wouldn't believe. Dave Chappelle, he's speaking out. We'll catch what he has to say next. I'm Tony Katz.